0: If you've never heard me, quite a few. All right, thank you. I'll try and give a little bit of testimony as I uh, go along. Thank dear De- Dean and Jenny and their lovely family. Andrew, I've got your little bit of writing. I've critiqued it and I will return it to you as I'm a school teacher. And. Um, and then, dear Jim and Kathy, we had lovely fellowship in the home ministry. We rejoiced with them and what God's doing. Um, he needs 15 of you to volunteer, not to be paid, but to go all around the world uh, organising all the things he's got on his plate. <laughs> Excuse me. Is that right? Is that the way you said it, Jim? Thank you. Excuse me. <laughs> and then I could go on. This dear Chuck and Janet. We've known many years. And um, Chuck actually really touched my heart one year when we were ministering in England. And I got a phone call from him first person's ever done that from uh, this country phoned up because he knew we were in some time of change to see how i was getting on really touched my heart but it's lovely to see the generations now a number of generations going on here this morning with the lord it thrills my heart Uh, i am just 69 years young Um, i played a lot of sport i had a hip replacement that young sister over there was encouraging me to dance even more violently i think i was trying to explain to her that i do have a Uh, metal hip my daughter who will be meeting us here today later who lives in Charlotte now calls me titanium tone and um, my wife has warned me not to go out in lightning there's plenty of it in Florida where we live Uh, Just for those who have not met us before, uh, I am actually from an old jewish family, saved off the streets of London, 30th of June, 1957, after overdosing on sleeping pills and sleeping for 27 hours, separated from my Jewish family at the age of five in the Second World War, evacuated to Gentile people that had a lavatory down the bottom of the garden. I used to scream at night, couldn't control my body functions, but was taken to a tiny little Plymouth Brethren Church in 1941. Um, Sexually, attempts were made on me before I was seven by both males and females. uh, And then came back, begged our family to take us back, which they did. The war was still on. I was in the final bombing of London. My mother and father lived a loveless marriage. Uh, She went with other men all through the marriage, a very intelligent Jewish woman. Dad couldn't match her with his tongue or with her actions. Uh, and so I was taken to Sunday school, Haida, Jewish Sunday school, but I could not reconcile the Father God with my father who was so weak to leave the home and so on. So long story. Anyway, left school at 15, Air Force at 18, came out, got a dead-end job, overdosed on sleeping pills, met the Lord. Uh, Then the Lord took me to college to become a schoolmaster, met my lovely wife. We married uh, four... 42 years nearly, and have been really in what we loosely called full-time ministry for 35 years, visiting maybe evangelistically uh, 18 countries. We go to Italy for the first time this February. God has opened the door there, um, which will be interesting for us. So, so um, just to say uh, with regarding to uh, Janet's testimony, um, the, the night before that, dear man uh, um, had a word for me and it was a very interesting word because I've been saved and baptised in the Spirit now I was saved in 57, baptised in the Spirit in 1963 so a lot of stuff that goes for prophetic words, uh, I don't buy them excuse me, I've been saved long enough that I put it in my computer but it's got to be uh, something that really witnesses to my heart, Amen, I've told you over the years, be careful when you get prophetic words, don't try and bring them to pass, if they're from God, the Holy Spirit will do the work, Amen, but if you try and bring it to pass, you'll make shipwreck of your life. I know people have tried to be pastors and teachers and elders on words that they were given years ago and it's never come to pass and that they've really made shipwrecks. So don't try and bring anything to pass. If it is of God, it must come to pass. Is that all right? Amen. Amen. Anyway, the night before I was to speak at this place, I was reading Charisma Magazine. I do not buy Charisma Magazine. I do not like it that the people that sell Charisma magazine are not interested because it is a very big profit margin but it has some good articles if you like it I do not like Benny Hinn's ministry particularly but the people that get healed in his ministry are not at all interested in my opinion of Benny Hinn (laughs) and so on anyway I was reading Charisma magazine about guys in England that I knew before they were in ministry and now got uh, big ministries uh, tape ministries conferences speaking all over the place And there's me, going to speak to ten people. And, of course, the enemy spoke to me, and he said, yes, you twerp, what have you achieved, you know. And I bought it. I thought, that's true, look at me, still going around with my little bit here and little bit there, and so on. And so I got to the meeting, under this sort of attack, rather. And uh, this dear man, who is second generation Pentecostal, his father, has been prophesied actually to nations. And he came over, as I was beginning to speak, he spoke over me. And by the way, just to say about uh, that testimony, Janet is very modest about that testimony. Daniel had the gun at his hand a number of times. He was ready to finish it. He phoned up my wife and said, Mum, will I go to heaven if I take my life? It was that close. He was doing business with the mafia, which is very dangerous. And I never dreamt it would happen to our family. I beat their bottoms. We taught them the word. Not in our family and (laughs) divorce... But, as dear Arthur Burt says, our present judgments foster our future failures. Amen. Our present judgments foster our future failures. Be careful never to despise anybody else in the body of Christ. It's so easy to do that assess them and think, fancy them getting into that difficulty. Be very careful. That can dig your own grave down the road. And so on. Well, as I was going to speak, I suddenly heard him prophesying and then I heard it was for me. I went over, I knelt by him and he gave me a wonderful word about my future ministry. And then he said, furthermore, you are not one whit behind any of those men. Oh, come on. Isn't God good? Did you hear that? You are not one whit behind any of those men. Did you hear that for yourself this morning, dear ones? You're not one whit behind anybody else. Name the great Billy Graham, you name him. You're not one whit behind as long as you're going at the pace that was set for you. Is that okay? Isn't God gracious to say that word to me? Oh, the stinking peer pressure for the young people today haven't got the right jeans on, haven't got the right hairstyle, you know, you haven't met somebody to be married, and you're 18 and 19, take your life. Ah, oh, shut up. <laughs> Not one whit behind. And the verse that goes with it, that I've been using for the last four years, minimally, is in 1 Corinthians 4.1, where Paul talks about himself as a servant. 1 Corinthians 4.1, and uh, it's the word in Scripture, the only place in Scripture where servant there means an under-rower, hypoiratis in the Greek, and it means somebody rowing in a Roman galley three decks down, not seeing the light of day, chained to an oar, but listening to the sound of a drumbeat. And we have to ask ourselves, what drumbeat do you hear since September the 11th? Did you hear the drumbeat that said, life would never settle down again? Did you hear a drumbeat this morning that said this economic policy of the Americans will crumble? I actually have a bank, and I can recommend it to you highly. I don't usually make advertisements for banks, but in this case, because they've been so trustworthy and have been known quite some years, I dare to recommend them to you. It's called the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit Bank. I do recommend it highly. I bank with them. Very trustworthy. Somebody had a need of $6,000 not so long back. We banked and we gave them that $6,000 on a loan basis and then the bank of heaven told me just to give it to them and so we gave it to them. We said, our friends have told us to give it to you. It's the year of jubilee. Isn't that lovely? There's lots of money in the body of Christ. There's lots of money in the body of Christ. It just isn't being used as it should be. Is that right? Sure there is. I'm not going into all that. It's not my message. At any rate... You're not one whit behind. Would you remember that from today? I could give you a number of scriptures the Lord has given me over the years, so encouraging, or words. Another word he told me years ago was, do not regard the passage of time. I control the thermostat of life. Do you ever wake up and the enemy say to you, well, look at you, you twerk. Look how old you are. What have you exceeded? Look at this, and this, this. Uh, Shut up again. I control the thermostat of life. But go on and tell you many other ones. But anyway, I must tell you a little story first before I give the message. Hallelujah. The kids have to come back into this meeting. Just grab them. Good to see you, Donna. God bless you. Providing work for dear Aaron and other folks. Hallelujah. Amen. Top salesman. My son has risen to the top in the firm. He was doing six figures before all that happened. He's back in business now. Whew. Hallelujah. I signed for everything because he's bankrupt. I own two Lexuses, uh, a Hummer, and you name it. It, I hope the economy doesn't crumble quite yet. (laughs) I'll see you in prison. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Hallelujah. Well, this is purported to be a true story, but um, it confirms... Who does it concern, darling? Who does it concern, this story I'm going to tell? Oh, you don't know if it's my usual one. You know, I'm coming. Who, darling? Thank you, yes.
1: James Robeson.
0: Um, evidently, it was going to be the first time that he was ever going to preach in public. And it was evidently quite a big church. And uh, he got his message down pat. He thought he would really, you know, practice it, have it absolutely verbatim. And he thought, well, I won't use any notes. I'll just, um, you know, say it out as it comes out, you see. Well, he got up uh, to preach. There was a big wooden pulpit there. And as he went to speak, he couldn't remember a word of the message. All he could think of was, I am coming. So he said, I am coming. And then he waited for the wonderful anointing and everything to follow. Not a dicky bird, a word as we say in Cockney rhyming slang. Not a word. I'm sorry, it wasn't such a good message. I understand. understand. I'm not offended. I'm not insecure. No, 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 no. Take that lady's name, God bless. <laughs> hallelujah, not Melaleuca, Hallelujah. And so he waited for that wonderful inrush of adrenaline, and nothing except the words with a little bit more force: "I am coming." And so he bellowed out, "I am coming!" And then he waited again for the marvelous anointing, not a sausage. And then the words came with real emphasis, so he bellowed out, "I am coming!" And with that he banged the pulpit, he's about a six foot four guy, the pulpit split and he fell into the front row. And there was an elderly lady there and he fell right into her lap. He was spread eagle across this dear lady. And of course the whole church was in uproar. Loved it. And when the hubbub subsided, he looked up at her and he said, Madam, I'm awfully sorry. She said, that's all right, dearie. You warned me three times. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) But he is coming. Every eye shall see him. Amen. Stone without hands. Uh, Wednesday, Thursday night in dear John and Sue's lovely home, uh, we shared on the bride, we have shared on the virgins, five foolish, five wise. There was delay. I spoke on the subject of delay. What do you do in a time of delay? What do you do in a time of delay? They all slept you're permitted to sleep, but you better have oil when you go to sleep. You cannot borrow oil. At the final uh, coming of our Lord Jesus, when the, when the chips are down and, and the nations are in the final uproar and we will be called even maybe as, as to martyrs, uh, it's no good borrowing any oil, then it will be too late. Is that right? It's what we've done this morning is part of that preparation for the finale. Is that right? Those who will dance and become full for Christ's sake now will be in that finale. I want to be in that. Amen. I want to be in that final... Uh, Push. There will be a a wave, as I told them Wednesday or Thursday, that will come up the beach that will never recede, a tide. And there is a tide, as Shakespeare said through Brutus in the Affairs of Men, taken at the flood leads on. If not, all the life is lead left in the shallows and in miseries. Catch the tide. Not one of these lovely, you know, um, all the wonderful revival tides. Yes, they're all there. But catch the tide of what the Spirit is saying now to the church. Can you hear? Are you willing to change? Amen are you willing to be a fool for Christ's sake everybody is somebody's fool life is very short very short alrighty Isaiah 5 to start with this morning it is Isaiah not Isaiah remember Isaiah was English all the prophets were English you understand that Remember, you better learn how to say Habakkuk properly, because when you meet him in heaven, he will ask you if you read his book. And you say, read your book? I couldn't even pronounce your jolly name. (laughs) Come on. Isaiah 5. I'm speaking on the subject, I think, this morning of the vine. And what I'm going to read you, somebody said about, you know, some of Isaiah's writings. In fact, most of it, it's it's actually a beautiful, wonderful, poetic style. It's sublime, unexcelled anywhere in literature. If you want good literature, read the Bible, let alone for the anointing on the word. Amen. Isaiah 5, 1 through 8. Let me sing now for my well-beloved a song of my beloved concerning his vineyard. My well-beloved had a vineyard on a fertile hill and he dug it all around, removed its stones and planted it with the choicest vine and he built a tower in the middle of it and he hewed out a wine vat in it. Then he expected it to produce good grapes but it produced only worthless ones. And now our inhabitants of Yerushalayim and men of Judah judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? Why, when I expected it to produce good grapes, did it produce worthless ones? So now let me tell you what I am going to do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge and it will be consumed. I will break down its wall and it will become trampled ground. And I will lay it waste. It will not be pruned or hoed, but briars and thorns will come up. I will also charge the clouds to rain no rain on it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel and the men of Judah, his delightful plant and so on." Just to point out there, dear ones, historically, where it says, I will remove its hedge and break down its walls, Israel fell to Assyria 721 BC, Judah fell to Babylon 586 BC, just as Isaiah prophesied, those things would happen. The counterpart in the New Testament, don't know which way how to do this this morning, would have been, of course, John 15 but Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Here is the, uh, the, the negative of what happened, but in, in John 15, maybe just turn there briefly and then we'll come back to here, uh, so on. I will not be too long this morning, I hope, with you. Please bear. Thank you, Jesus. John 15, just a few verses there and then I should try and talk to you. Bless you if that is somebody sneezing. John 15... I am the vine, I am the true vine, my Father is the vine dresser, every branch of me that does not bear fruit he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit he prunes it that may bear more fruit. Would you notice please, we're not only to, to bear fruit, but God is after more fruit, and then verse five, 5, excuse me, I am the vine, you are the branches, and he who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. So would you notice a progression please, from bearing fruit to more fruit to much fruit, Amen. more bears fruit more fruit much fruit in Isaiah chapter 5 it talks about the husbandman and he built a wall round a selected piece of ground he takes out most of the stones and he builds a tower in the middle of it a watchtower not Jehovah's Witnesses thank you very much but a watchtower And for about five months of the year he tends that vine and everything around it with great care. He builds a wall and the wall uh, is built with stones taken out of that piece of ground and then he would lay briars on the top of the wall. And all sorts of spiky plants because the foxes do not like their bellies to be scraped by those things. They would not come over a wall because it would stick in It was modern, uh, excuse me, ancient barbed wire. They would do everything for that vineyard. And... Um, uh, just to tell you uh, a couple of stories about the, uh, a man in London had a vineyard. Well, he had a vine in his garden, uh, v- flourishing beautifully. And then at one stage, the vine began to fail. He put, dunged it around some more, did more and more with it he could. But the vine was fading faster. and then he dug out to find where the root was going. Thought where your roots are. And he found out that two gardens away there was a nice dog who had found the root of this vine and was chomping on it and it was fading anybody chomping on your vine this morning? And then Kew Gardens, the famous, uh, wonderful uh, place in London where they had trees going back hundreds of years, hundreds of years, had vines there. A- and one particular vine in Kew Gardens was growing grapes much bigger than any of the other vines but getting it seemed, the same attention. But they found out that the, um, the roots of this vine were going uh, 100 yards or 120 yards under the main road into the River Thames. Into the River Thames when it was all muddy, they've actually cleansed it now. There's even salmon in the River Thames now. Fish. But it was, you know, the older days, full of muck and slush. And these roots had found it. And we going... <coughs> and the grapes were getting bigger and bigger. Isn't that wonderful? See, you have to be careful where your roots go. And just a, a scripture that I must throw in here, Ephesians 4.27, which says, do not give place to the devil. Don't dwell any place where he is. And the word place there in the Greek is topos, which we get our word topography from. And it means a literal place. Don't give any literal place in your home or in your heart to the devil. Through the worry, through the fears, through the depression, yes, they all very will get help about those things. Be honest about it. Amen? It's all going to come out one day. I told people the other night, if you're a saved person, you're not supposed to come and get delivered regularly and vomit up a bowl of demons, and everybody shout, come out, come out, and everybody get excited as you wiggle your bottom and your veins stand out like whip cords. That was for the old days of the charismatic movement. Those days are over. If you're a Christian, just own up, fess up. Amen? And you get free. The blood of Jesus Christ knows no boundaries. Nothing can stand against the blood. Are you bigger than the blood of Jesus Christ? Some people don't want deliverance. They like the attention that deliverance gets. I mean, if they get delivered, they might have to be a giver, not a taker. Thank God, you all give us here this morning, Amen. You can't give out, out give God. I challenge you on that. You're trying to outgive God. Any area of your life, you can't do it, Amen. Do not give place to the devil. Dear Dean in this meeting this morning, dear brother Dean, as I said, he's the, uh, the epitome of Jewishness. He's got brains, intelligence and looks. I am the exception that proves the rule. Hallelujah. Is, is Dean here? Is he here? Oh, thank you, brother. Is that, did that come out all right, Dean? Did I say it properly? Ah! <laughs> Do not give place. There is an equal right of access. If you have got a property and they come, the developers, and want to develop in that area, they cannot take your equal right of access away unless you come to agreement with them. Is that right? However big what comes on in that area, you have still got access. Amen? Joshua, every place where you put the soles of your feet, there's no devil that can stand against you. Is that okay? Some people say, oh, the devil's kicking me, he's giving me a rough time. Shut up. Get off his turf. Don't go and watch X-ray movies. Don't watch the computer to find out if Viagra really works and all that rubbish. Do not use common indecencies. Viagra not to be used again in Charlotte. (laughs) People far too decent in the meetings (laughs) do not use offering may go down considerably (laughs) do you know there was dear ones uh, when before the, the twin towers came down tragically there was a Greek orthodox church at the base of the twin towers within yards of the twin towers the people that owned the twin towers wanted to buy that Greek Orthodox church from them because you know, they thought it was. A, you know, they wanted it for car park and more parking. They refused, and, for, and they offered them maybe six millions of dollars. And that Greek Orthodox church says, "This is where we feel we're planted," and they stayed there till the towers come down. See, they had an equal right of access, and no developer could get them out of there. Isn't that interesting? Amen. And there's a strange story, Fleet Street in London is the place of the home of the British press as you know and um, uh, a man used to do a strange thing, he would go down a little alley near uh, one of the offices there, tap on the window and somebody would come to the window, they would open the window, he would climb through the window and walk clean through this office and out the other side. He had nothing to do with that business whatsoever. Nothing to do whatsoever. But you know what he found out? There was a right of access going way back to maybe 171600, 1600 and it had never been rescinded and he knew he could take a shortcut that would save him a few miles walking through that jolly office and they had to let him through. Isn't that interesting, you see? Isn't that amazing? True story. Open the window, walk through, it doesn't matter what business was being transacted. He could be smelly, dirty, whatever. He knew his rights. Don't give place to the devil, topos, topography, amen. You kicked me around long enough, you don't have you can be free. Amen. The Holy Ghost in you is indestructible. The blood of Jesus Christ ever, ever is working on our behalf if we want it, amen. Oh, i better get on with this. I see the time is getting on. Hallelujah! So uh, the the vine dresser who built the watchtower, and he and um, he was supposed to produce choice a uh, choice vine. Do you remember what it said in Isaiah five? It was a choice vine, but it became wild. It became wild. Do you know what can happen to a wild vine if it's tended carefully? It can become uh, a natural. Fruit-producing vine, isn't that wonderful? Any wild vines here this morning? You were once wild, now you're getting back in. Amen. <laughs> Having a good drink. Hallelujah. The word soic, where uh, Samson actually uh, did some of his some of his stuff. Judges 16:4. The word soic means a grapeyard or vineyard, a grapevine or vineyard, and it means choice grapes. Soic means the choice grapes. The church is supposed to be the choice grapes. Amen. Husbandman, early spring, does his last ploughing of the vineyard. He's getting ready to go. How has he left the vine? He's cut it back so brutally, it looks like it's had surgery. It's bleeding, it's weeping. Even the lovely leaves and near the ground have been removed because they could get dirt on them that could bring disease. He's pruned that thing back, it's so ugly looking, it looks awful. Song of Solomon 2:15 says, Take us, the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines. Amen. Do you know you cannot be a martyr when there is a call to martyrdom unless you have been faithful in the small things leading up to martyrdom. Is that right? You're only going to be in the hour of need what you've been working at. Faithfulness in the small things leads to faithfulness in the big things. If you've not been faithful in another's, and in another's ministry particularly, how can you get your own? Is that the order? Amen? I know dear Byron somewhat personally, he did not ever want really to take the leadership as a pastor. I was in a meeting, a men's meeting, a little away meeting, when from deep within his heart came the cry that released him into what he's doing now. Is that right, Biden? Remember that. i never forget it. Deep from within, it was in there. He didn't want it, he didn't, you know, he fought it, maybe, fears, you name it. But you see, you either is or you ain't. If you called, you can't escape. But don't volunteer, dear ones. God has no volunteers, only conscripts. You're all full-time here this morning. Don't feel inferior. I would usually minister from a bit lower down than this. You know, I like to be on level with people, but then people can't see me because of the flowers. (laughs) (laughs) And so he leaves it, bleeding, and he goes away for seven months. No rain in those seven months in Israel, thank you very much. He leaves it. No rain. And he comes back seven months later to find the grapes are luscious, they are flourishing, and everything else is wilting because there's no rain in other places, and the vines are flourishing. What's happened in those seven months of delay? What's happened in the seven months in your life when there was delay? Did you give up on the Lord? What happened to Aaron when there's delay? Moses says, I'm going up the mountain. Aaron Aaron must have thought, good, he'll be back tomorrow night. He's the leader. He didn't come back. And what happened when the leader had gone for a little while? You see, what was in Aaron, excuse me, what was in Moses wasn't in Aaron, Right? He didn't have the leadership qualities. He hadn't been through the same school. And so he let the people get out of hand and built the calf. We've said before, when he was questioned about the calf, they said, Aaron, what happened to you? He said, well, he said, the people forced me. We threw all this stuff in the fire and out came a calf. Well, what ceramic school did you go to, Aaron? That's a pretty smart school. Just chuck it in the fire and out comes a jolly calf. Brilliant. Oh, my Dear ones, how do you explain this morning that the vine is so brutally pruned? How do you explain that all those leaves have gone for it and yet it's producing these luscious grapes, these soric grapes? No rain. Know what the answer is? In that time of delay, it's called dewfall. That doesn't mean me falling off the platform. Dewfall means that the dew in Israel is so strong that the vineyard tender, the husbandman leaves stones near the roots of his vines and the dew is so heavy that it falls in rivulets and feeds and feeds the vine. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful, you see? No noise, no sound when the dew falls. Drop thy still dews of quietness till all our striving cease. Take from our lives the strain and stress and let our ordered lives confess the beauty of your peace. We sung it. See, there's a dewfall. See, it's what's happened in secret in your lives that makes you what you are today. What you see on the platform here today is not just because I drummed up a message today of what you see going on with these people dancing, the lovely Moore families He's already got his little ones. See what's happening there? There's a preparation in secret. Amen? There's a preparation in secret. The dewfall is something quiet. Isaiah forty thirty one. if I'd worn my tie.